Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 902. Traveling is probably the best education you can have. Learning different customs and talking to different people and that type of thing. It's it's like a classroom all its own. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Automotive enthusiasts, I am so revved up and excited. You don't know how excited, given the challenges we had to put this together. But we'll leave that in the past to introduce a very special guest, Steve Dawson. Hey, Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I got my goggles on and my driving gloves ready to go. All right, great. Steve Dawson has been an accomplished professional photographer for over 30 years. He's the youngest person to be awarded the Professional Photographer of America Master of Photography degree. There's a lot of words on that degree. It must be a really big degree you have on your wall. He's photographed numerous of celebrities and shot for some of the biggest corporations around the world. However, it's Steve's passion for motorsports and automobiles that brings him to Cars Yeah! today. For over 32 years, he shot Formula One, Kart, IMSA, IndyCar, World Sports Car, America Le Mans, is there any track you've never been to? Goodwood Revival, Laguna Seca, Historic Races, and many others. His work hangs in the homes of private collectors around the world, and he's been featured in magazines and books. It was his 30-year friendship, though, with Phil Hill, the great American champion F1 driver, that led him to collaborate with author Doug Nye, who was on Cars Yeah! yesterday, and Phil's son, Derek Hill, who was on two days ago, to create a absolutely spectacular book titled titled Inside Track. It's a really, really cool autobiography of Phil's life, racing, and his photography. And guess what? One lucky Cars Yes subscriber is going to win the bookshop version of this fabulous book. I've got the collector's edition. I still haven't gotten through it. This thing is so big and so much fun. So, Steve, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your very obvious passion for motorsports? (laughs) My father after World War II, went to photography school. And when he went there in Los Angeles, he had two friends. One was Jerry Chesborough and the other was Ralph Poole. And both those guys, Jerry became the first road and track photographer ever on staff. That was in 1950. And then Ralph Poole probably did about 40 or 50 covers on into the 60s and that type of thing. And so... My dad and Ralph and Jerry all had MGTCs, and they would all go to all the races. They'd go to Pebble Beach and Torrey Pines and Palm Springs, all, all the major races in the early 50s into, into the, the late 50s. And so I basically grew up with stories about the drivers, you know, and throughout my photography career, I started as an apprenticeship with a master photographer and then went on to other studios and that type of thing. But my passion always laid with motorsports photography. And um, I started going to the Monterey Historics and just went from there. You know, it's it's been wonderful. I've met so many fascinating, interesting people. I've been able to sit down with people like Carol Shelby and Richie Ginther, Luigi Canetti, wow. people like that to be able to talk to them and, and do photography with them. So it's been, it's been a real passion, and it's been real fun, 
just great fun. No kidding. Oh my goodness. What a life. What a life. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that has some meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the camera lens clicking here on Cars. Yeah. So Steve, take the wheel. Probably the most inspirational would be what my dad told me originally. And he said, just treat other people the way you like to be treated. And he called that Dawson's religion. And that's how he lived his life. And that's how I've tried to live my life. If you stick with that, it's always going to bring you out on the on the good end of things. And and people, you know, people are people. And, and if you respect them and trust them and, you know, and freedom of the way you like to be treated, all sorts of stuff opens up. Boy, I've said this before because I've had many guests mention uh, the golden rule, as we all remember it from our uh, Bible classes as little kids, or uh, just living life is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And yeah, it's so simple, and I wish the whole world would live by that. I'll tell you, I learned a similar thing from my grandfather, who told me the secret to having a great marriage is giving more than you ever expect back. Very good. Same yeah. kind of thing, exactly. exactly. And uh, seems to have served me well. My wife's still around after 33 years. So <laughs> I guess I, I try to practice that most days. I may uh-huh. not be greatly successful all the time, but I try. Well, let's go back in time here because you had a father that was into photography. Is there a specific time that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment that you realize, oh man, I am a car guy? Yeah, that actually there was. This is kind of funny. I think it was fourth grade or fifth grade. A friend of mine came and he had a, a brown paper bag and he brought all the guys to the far corner of the field of the school, you know, and he opened it up and there was a Playboy. And Uh-oh. we all sat there and went, oh my God, you know. And he said, listen, I found these. There's a stack of them in my dad's garage, you know, a big stack of them. He says, go into your dad's garage and look for a big stack of magazines. <laughs> to find these things. And we thought, oh, geez. So that weekend, everybody went to the garage. And sure enough, up in the corner of the garage was a, was a stack of magazines. And so I got the ladder. I went over there. I brought it down. I turned around. And my dad walked into the garage. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and he's looking at me and he's going, hmm. And so I took the, the magazines, put them down. And the top magazine, they were all road and tracks. Ah. <laughs> and the first one was, I, I think, the December uh, 1962 issue with Phil on the cover talking about his world championship. Oh, wow. And so my dad sat there and he opened them up and he started talking to me about it. And I, I could, you could just feel the passion in his voice and how much he loved this type of situation. And it really, it became my passion, basically. And then, uh, you know, when I was 16, you know, I went, went to my dad, I said, listen, I need a car. He goes, well, there's a car right out in the driveway. <laughs> and it was this old 1959 Fiat 1600 with the suicide doors and everything. And, and he had driven it for years. And I go, that's not a car. He goes, yeah, that's your car. <laughs> I go, okay. Does it run? He goes, no. I go, it doesn't run. He goes, no. He goes, you got to fix it. You got to rebuild the engine on it. Yeah. You rebuild the engine, you fix it, you can have this car. Wow. You know? And that's what I did. Because I had never gotten my my hands greasy and dirty and mucky up to the elbows and that type of thing. And and we rebuilt the engine together. We redid the electronics and the brakes and everything like that. And it's the car that took me all the way through high school. And it, it was just another special moment that um, really gave me a, a look at automobiles in such a different way than I had before. Yeah, well, I'm chuckling here because I think... I wonder what Steve's life would have been like if that stack of magazines had been Playboys. And- <laughs> 
But it sounds like you had a great father who set you on the right journey, the right path, the right track. And the fact that he helped you along by putting that car in your hands and teaching you how to work on cars. Uh, very fortunate guy for sure. <laughs> great story. I love that. Yeah, every dad's garage has a stack of magazines. <laughs> Thankfully, they're not all playboys. There are other things in life that might be more, more, uh, more morally correct for you, I guess. Right, right, exactly. Oh my goodness, that's funny. That's the first time I've heard that one. <laughs> well, Steve, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. Now, you've chosen a career that is fraught with no doubt ups and downs. You traveled the world, seen all these people. We all encounter this as we go through life, but the great thing about these lessons is the lessons that they teach us that, that come from these challenges. So uh, tell us how an experience that you encountered helped you gain even more momentum in your life and career and your business. I'd probably have to, have to say we had um, we moved from a, a larger house to a smaller house. And so we got a storage unit. And so we put everything in the storage unit that wasn't going to fit in the house. And so there was everything in there. I had a collection of my automotive collection was in there, my 400 books, automotive books. I had complete series of the motor, you know, from number one, all, you know, road and track. I had 250,000 negatives in there and somebody broke into it and stole it all, stole it all. And, you know, my wife's wedding dress was in there and all her family photos were in there. And it, and at, at first it's really devastating, you know, and everything like that. And then after a while, I really thought about it. I said, okay, well, these are things and nobody got cancer. Nobody lost an appendage. And so I'm doing pretty good. And so that's, that's sort of been the way that was a major deal that went on that really taught me that they're just things and there's so many other more important things and that I was so fortunate just to be in the situation I was in. I have a wife, you know, we've been married for 40 years, you know, and so, it, yeah, it just it just showed you what was important. Paradigm shifts are uh, really important and I have to chuckle when I, I'm very active on Facebook with what I'm doing here on Cars, yeah, and I see posts like when I saw this morning, this guy was so upset because the eggs at the restaurant, he were cold. <laughs> And I'm just sitting here going, if that's your biggest challenge today, man, have you got a great life. I mean, exactly. Yeah, taking things into perspective and realizing that, yeah, these things, these uh, objects we surround ourselves with sometimes are not as important as we really, really think they are. So a great, great lesson you've taught us here this morning. Well, let's shift gears and go to, to the other extreme. I like to say the aha moment in your career. I know that in your early career, you did a lot of portrait photography, uh, corporate photography, and that, that automotive thing was kind of over here and then it became a major part of your life. Maybe that was your big aha moment, but share one with us, will you? The aha moment I, I have to say would have been when I met Phil Hill and um, started a 30-year friendship with him. We had just bought a Jaguar XK150, 59, two-door sports car, and we drove it up to uh, Monterey. And there I saw Phil drive, race, his, his Bentley, his, his four-and-a-half-liter blower Bentley. And when I got there and heard that Phil Hill was going to drive, having heard all these stories and everything, it was just, oh, my God. And it was, you know, he was racing and the, the, the smoke was coming and the oil's flying out of this gigantic, huge truck of a car, you know. And uh, he pulls into the pits and I was in the pits and there's Mrs. Bentley standing there. Gray-haired, old Mrs. Bentley, W.O. Bentley's wife, standing there waiting to congratulate him for winning. And it was like magic. 
it was like, I'm going, oh my God. And then the next morning, you know, I was part of the Sunrise Brigade out at Pebble Beach. And there was that Bentley and it was pristine. You could have eaten off of the, off of the fenders. And, and it was, just, and after that, you know, that was, that was pretty much aha. Wow, what a fortunate guy you are to have met him. You were very, very fortunate to uh, to have that and have him as a part of your life. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had a few of those. Um, proudest career moment, probably I, I took a photograph of 6,500 uh, 6, people. I took a group photograph of them. Wait a minute, 6,500 people, and everybody had to show. Everybody had to show in the picture. That's what the client wanted. And um, it took about a month and a half to set up. And when the event happened, I was able to get these 6,500 people in order because this was like a sales meeting type of thing with the, the like the presidential circle people and then the secondary people and the third. I had to get them lined up so that. You know, the first two rows had all the the big uh, executives. There, w- there was space in the middle of the front row just for the three presidents, and then their presidential circle people. That and um, it was up in a in a in a cherry picker that was up higher than the hotel in order to look down and get the shot and and took the shot and it came out fabulous. So that was really that was quite a a project and an operation to go through. In order, to, in order to get that picture, and it was it was a pretty proud moment. Where were you when I was in high school and I was on the yearbook staff and I was a photographer, the sports photographer, and I took the girls' swim team to the ocean. I grew up in Southern California, was at La Jolla High, and we went down to Scripps Pier to take their picture. And it must have taken me an hour and a half to get those twelve girls to all behave and get in line and like herding cats, right? Walking goldfish, I like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow, that is incredible. I I can't even imagine. Very cool. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car. Is there a vehicle that you owned, the first one that you got that had great meaning for you? Maybe other than that that old car in the driveway your dad gave you. Well, my dad started with MGTCs and went on to Jaguars and at the time had a uh, 1948 Mark IV Jaguar, a drophead coupe huge car you could go in the back seat and, and sleep six if you wanted it was just and it was beautiful just gorgeous and he put it in the garage and you know everything like that and he got laid off in the big aerospace layoff in 77 when jimmy carter became president and they had to sell it they had to sell the jack and we had sort of grown up with this jack so i went to all my friends and tried to get money from them to put together enough money so that you know I could buy it, and we weren't able to do that. And so uh, one day the truck came and took it away. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's sad. Oh well, but you know, once again, things, right? Yes, things. Well, you got to experience that, and that was pretty darn cool. And you and I had a little chat before we did this show, and I mentioned to Steve that my dad had a 49 MGTC, which was the car that started me on cars when I was about five or six years old. So shared a picture with him, and uh, I always think back fondly to that car. How about a vehicle you've let go that you wish you had back? Is there one of those in your life? I wish I had the XK150 back. You know, we we sold that a couple of years ago, and and I really shouldn't have sold it. <laughs> it was just so much fun, you know, and and such a great thing. It had such a smell to it, and such a beautiful exhaust note. And driving it was just it was just fantastic. But once again, everything changes and moves on. Well, and you got to experience it. And I driving that car to uh, Pebble Beach back in the day. 
doing what now they call Dawn Patrol. You know, the the early early guys. Thank you, Haggerty, for the donuts and the hats every year. Yeah, definitely a fun experience. Well, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about this fantastic book project you were a part of because Derek was on a couple of days ago where we talked about it at length. Doug Nye it was such a joy to get to talk to him. What a, I mean, a guy that I felt like I knew him because I've been reading his work since I was a kid. Inside Track, uh, tell us about your involvement with the book, why you're so proud of it, and what was your role? Um. I met Phil in 1979, and in 1980, he came to me and he said, listen, I'm going to be part of an automotive art show, and I've got these slides, and I want you to make some prints from them. I said, sure, Phil. You know, okay. And so I, I made prints from him and gave him back to him, had him matted and framed and everything, and he loved it, you know. And the prints were, there was a picture of Fangio at his last race in Argentina crossing the finish line at sunset with a checkered flag flying. And I'm going, whoa. <laughs> you know, there was a picture of 1959 at the Reims Formula One race with the whole Ferrari team standing in the in the pits. You know, they had Fangio and Mike Hawthorne and Peter Collins and Castellati and just uh, Portago. It's a group shot. It's an informal group shot. And it was just amazing. And so we went on along and, and Phil was using his slides that he had taken from about 1951 to about 1962, and he would go to like the Ferrari Club of Florida and do a presentation. And he'd go to the Alfa Romeo Club of New York and do a presentation. And so one day when he was leaving, getting ready to go, I I said, Phil, I've never seen all your slides. And he said, yes, you have. I go, no, I haven't. So we went and he pulled out the projector, set up the screen. I was at his house, you know, in, in the living room, and he gave me a show. And when I got done, it was just, I was flabbergasted. Because I had been collecting photography from that period of time, you know, for like 20 years by that time. And, you know, I could count the amount of color images I had from the 1950s on one hand. And the reason why it was so beautiful was he chose to shoot Kodachrome. And back in the day, back in the 50s, Kodachrome was a dollar more than any other color film. But it had a permanence to it that was amazing. You know, you could look at these slides and it could be taken 50 years ago. And the color was so beautiful and so great. And so I said, Phil, a lot of people want to see these. He goes, oh, yeah, well, well, maybe, you know. And he, he was such a, yeah, he was, he was really humble. And so I said, well, first thing, Phil, what we got to do is we got to dupe your slides. You're taking all these originals with you. Whatever you travel, sometimes you pack it in your luggage, sometimes you, you don't. And I go, Phil, you can't take them anymore. We got to dupe them. And so we finally consented, and I got them duped, and then came back to the house. We put two slide projectors together, put his carousel on, my carousel on, and he couldn't tell the difference. And in fact, he liked mine more than he liked his. But that's because it was scanned. And so after that, I, I said, listen, would we need to do a... Uh, an exhibit. And he's, oh, maybe, yeah. So I went up and I talked to Steve Earle, who in charge of the Monterey Historic. And I brought, him, I brought him a set of prints that I had made and Phil had signed and everything. I said, Steve, I really think we've got an exhibit here. And I brought open the first print and, and Steve told me exactly where it was, what car it was, where Phil placed in the race. It would, And I I showed him the second one I hit. Same thing. Knew exactly where it was. The car, you know, he was such an enthusiast. And so he gave us a tent in the paddock for three years. And I was able to put on three different shows of Phil's work. And I think more so than anything else, it got Phil 
because the response was so great. We'd have him, he promised me an hour in the tent, you know, on Friday and Saturday to sign, and the, and the line went across the paddock. I was in those lines, yes. <laughs> but more so than anything else, it showed Phil the interest that people had in looking at his photography. And I think that was one of the, the, one of the things that made him think that maybe a book was possible. And he had taken the, the slides to, uh, to Miles Collier's uh, connoisseurship that he has at the museum every other year. And Doug was there, and Doug saw the slides, and he says, Phil, these are great. we do, we got to do a book. And then uh, the next year, Phil calls me and says, well, you know, Miles called me again. He wants me to come back to the to the connoisseurship with all the people and everything, and but he wants me to bring a different set of slides. I go, Phil, a different set of slides? I go, you have other slides? He goes, yeah, I got other slides. I go, do you know where they are? He goes, yeah, yeah, I know where they are. I go, I'll be right over, <laughs> you know? And so we we went through everything, the garage, the office, up in his bedroom and closets and drawers and everything, and came up with about twelve over 1,200 slides from period of time. And so he took that show, a new show, to Collier's, and Doug was there. And Doug said, Phil, that's it. we got to do this. And Paul Vesey became a, a part of it, Doug's partner, and was the person that financed the whole project because this whole thing wouldn't have happened without him. And I sat for four years with Phil every Monday at 10 o'clock. That was when we did our interview. And what had happened was I copied all the slides and gave them prints. And we sat there and he would talk about the photographs and where they were and who was there and what he did. And so it just led to almost an autobiography of, of his career. And sitting with Phil... One of the most important things that happened was his wife, Alma, would control the telephone because every time the phone would ring, Phil would, Phil would jump up and go answer it. And he'd come back, we'd be trying to interview, and he'd go, where were we? What were we doing? And I said, you know, I talked to his wife, Alma, and I said, Alma, I, we can't do this. It's not going to happen. And people would come knock at the door. He'd jump up. You know, he'd come back and say, are we done? I go, no, no. So she, for those years, those four years, was the one that made sure there was no phone calls, made sure nobody knocked on the door, made sure that he had his coffee when he wanted it, fed us lunch. And seriously, without her, without Alma Hill, this book wouldn't happen. Yeah, keeping things on task. Wow. Well, that's what I love about this. As you read the copy, look at the imagery, you can imagine Phil telling the stories. And the patience all of you had to put this whole thing together. Doug mentioned 16 years of, of involvement and work and Derek, 10 plus years and you, four years of interviewing. I mean, this is an incredible collaboration and it's the kind of book that any motorsports enthusiast absolutely has to have on their shelf. And I remind our listeners, I'll put links on Steve's show notes page or on Derek's and Doug's of how you can go to philhillbook.com and that's where you can find this book it's available now uh, to purchase and again one very very lucky Cars Yeah subscriber is going to win the bookshop edition of this book so make sure you go to Cars yeah Dot com. Click on the free book button. I'll send you my filler up book for free and your name will be in the hat. But if you don't win, do yourself a favor or call Santa Claus and say, hey, this is what I want under the tree. It's all I want. It's all I need. <laughs> this is the way to go. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Steve. If you were a car, what kind of car would Steve be and why? I'd be a, a 1956 Ferrari 410 Sport. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the car I would be. And why is that? Well, when early on, I had a chance to meet Howard Cohen, 
who was a, a driver and collector and collected nothing but big, gigantic motored cars, Maserati 450Ss. Uh, he had lightweight E-type Jaguars, and he had this... <laughs> <laughs> he had this brute of a brute, you know, this, this, it, it was the biggest motor that Ferrari had ever made. He put into these cars and originally they were built for the 1955 Carrera Panamericana down in Mexico, but the 55 race was canceled. And so then the cars went to the opening race in 1956 in Buenos Aires at the thousand kilometer and Fangio and Castellati raced this car. And there was a second one and Mike Collins raced the, or, yeah, Collins raced the other car. And so there were two of them. And once they got done with that, they both retired with a rear end failure. And the cars went back to the factory that got fixed. And the one car that Fangio drove was bought by John Edgar, who was one of the California car owners. There was like Tony Parvano, Von Neumann, John Von Neumann, and John Edgar. And those were the three major players on the West Coast that would always buy the top machinery and everything like that. And then... This car went out, and Carroll Shelby was his driver. And he raced this car to great success, won the demodified championship SCA that year. And then all such – Phil drove the car, raced the car. Richie Ginther drove the car. You know, Master Gregory drove the car. And so I had a chance to access this car and do photographs of it and do a story on it. And I went and I talked to all these guys. I, I sat with Shelby for half a day because he just loved this car. Wow. And I found Richie Ginther was at the, the historic races in Monterey and uh, had driven Vasek Pollock's 917 around the track a couple of times. And he was heading into a motorhome. And I said, listen, I'd really like to talk to you about the car. And he said, oh, yeah, no problem. Just wait here. And so I waited for three hours. And he never came out of the motorhome. Oh, no. And so at about three and a half hours, I'm getting ready to go. And he walked in and the door opened and there he was. He goes, are you still here? Yeah, you told me you talked to me. <laughs> yeah. So he said, okay, we're having breakfast tomorrow. And so we sat and spent the morning together talking about this car and Von Newman and driving and being with Phil and everything like that. Had, I don't know how many hour talk with Luigi Canetti. Oh my goodness. Talked about John Edgar and selling the Ferraris to him so that Shelby could drive him and, and Jack McAfee drove for him and that type of thing. So this car had just a tremendous amount of history. And I just, I fell in love with that car. That would be my car. Wow. What a rich life you have had, Steve Dawson. Lucky, fortunate man for sure. Well, Steve, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. 
If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Steve, we are back, and we're entering what I call the last lap. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give me some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't try and teach your wife how to drive a stick. (laughs) Have somebody else do it. I'm not even going to go or touch that one. (laughs) On to the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? I think just perseverance. Just, you know, if it's something you really want to do, if it's something the, if it's the right thing to do, then then you do it, and you keep at it until you've done it the way you think needs to be done. Uh, yes. You know, I've heard this from so many entrepreneurs, perseverance, tenacity, and I'll tell you, Steve, the little time I've gotten to know you here, being a nice guy helps a lot, too. So you definitely fit that profile. Now, uh, is there a resource, and there's a lot of them these days, but is there one you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Um, the Revs Institute Photographic Library. Yes. It is a gift from God. <laughs> you know, what, what Miles Colliers and, and Scott George have put together, you know, in conjunction with the Stanford University, they have, I don't know how many uh, hundreds of thousands of images that they're going through and scanning and putting up online for people to enjoy. And it is, you can just spend days there going through the, the website and it's at revsinstitute.com and go to their digital photography and it is it's a magnificent resource ah great i'm so happy you mentioned that now if i could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased and i won't make you wait three hours to have a drink with them well who would that person be it would probably be fangio i met fangio in fact phil we were at monterey and phil said listen i gotta go to the airport and pick somebody up you want to come i said sure and i came and who got off the plane but Juan fangio you know and my wife said that it was the only time she'd ever seen me speechless. I, I couldn't say anything. I greeted him, Phil and him, we were talking away and everything like that. And so I would really have liked to sat down with him and talked about his life and his racing and, and the cars he drove and everything like that. I think that would be something very special. I was very fortunate to see him at Monterey the year he was there as the the featured guest and uh, signed a poster for me. I was one of those thousands of people in line waiting to get a signature. But yeah, definitely a a magnificent man with a history that is so rich. But you must have been pinching yourself. How did I get here? Phil on one side, Poncho on the other. Oh, my gosh. What a day. I I was very fortunate. Some of it came from being in the right place at the right time. And it's part luck. You try and make your own luck by being prepared for situations and being open to situations. And so. Right. Exactly. That's what luck's all about. Very, very fortunate. Very nice. Other than the Inside Track book, this great book that you were a part of this uh, collaboration of a fantastic team, is there another book you could recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I would probably say it would be Mike Hawthorne's book, Challenge Me the Race. Mm. 
a great story, a story about his racing career that he wrote. It's an autobiography. And then there's a, a sequel to it called My Championship Year, which actually came out after he died in 1959, in January 59. But the two of them just have such a beautiful story about a guy that, that really loved racing, was quite a character, you know, and just quite an Englishman. Very nice. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these wonderful resources on Steve's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com. Click Steve Dawson in the search bar. His page will pop up with all these great links. All right. We're up to the fun part here as if we're not already having a lot of fun today. This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy for a car guy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet doesn't matter what it costs don't worry about that but i want you to keep it i want you to enjoy it and more importantly i want you to drive it what would that car be and why well outside of the the 410 sport the ferrari i would probably say it'd be a 1958 ferrari 412 mi and it was a one-off car that was built um to race against the scarabs when back in 58 and the history of that car was it had an engine in it that originally was the engine in Portago's 1957 Millimilia car that Portago crashed and died in the crash along with some civilians. And they took the motor out of that, rebuilt that, put it into a Formula One car, and Phil and Musso drove that and Mike Hawthorne at the Race of Two Worlds in 1957, where the Indianapolis cars came over to Monza, the Italian racetrack, and they, and they raced counterclockwise, which is not the way you race in Europe, but that's what they did. And Phil drove that car with that motor there. And then they took the motor out of that and then built a special car, the 412 MI, and put that motor in it, and it was a monster motor. It, I think they only built three or four of them, but they were just incredible. Four cam, you know, racing motors, fire breathers. And they put that into the 412 MI, and Phil went at it with uh, uh, the Scarab in 1958 at, at Riverside. And they would go around. Chuck Day was driving the, the Scarab, and they would come around the, the track once, and Chuck would be in front. They'd come around the next time. Phil would be in front. They'd come around the next time. Chuck would be in the front. It was supposed to be one of the great duels of sports car racing in California. It was the 1958 Los Angeles Grand Prix, and that was the car. Oh, yeah. Magnificent car. Beautiful body that they ended up putting that motor in, too, that was just delightful, the classic Ferrari shape. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Oh, man, you're going to cost me a pretty penny today, aren't you? <laughs> that's going to be a tough one, but I'll do everything I can to make sure that's parked in your garage on Monday, okay? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That'll be great. I'll even, I'll even give you a ride. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I would hope so. A cup of coffee, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and learning more. You have awesome stories. I think we could talk all day here, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive and photographic journey with me and the Car Show listeners. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 58 Ferrari 412 MI? <laughs> I think I think probably more so than anything else is I, I've traveled a lot. And I found that traveling is probably the best education you can have. Learning different customs and talking to different people and and that type of thing. It's It's like a classroom all its own. And I've been so fortunate to be able to do that, you know, with the car. I think probably more so than anything else is I, I've traveled a lot. And I found that traveling 
is probably the best education you can have. Learning different customs and talking to different people and, and that type of thing. It's, it's like a classroom all its own. And I've been so fortunate to be able to do that, you know, with the cars and, and other things in my career that it's just, it's, it's a perfect education for people. You know, to understand how other people live and what they do in the customs and, and that type of thing. You know, absolutely. And if you love cars, you can wrap that passion for cars into those travels because there's museums and tracks all over the world. There are car clubs all over the world. And we've never been as connected as we are now through these computers, these magical handheld devices we walk around with that we can connect with people. And I guarantee you, if you're going to go somewhere, some city in the world, reach out, find a club, an organization, and cars, and there will be somebody to greet you. They might even pick you up in the airport in a 412 IMI to take you to an event. You would be surprised what you can uncover, but great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and learn more about what you're doing? Probably at my website. It's motorsports.dawphoto.com. I have updates on on different things that that I do uh, photographically on that website. It's a great website, too, by the way. You're going to be there for a while, I guarantee you, because you'll see some marvelous pictures. When I opened your website and I saw a picture of a a car that a friend of mine up here in the Northwest, John Shirley, was uh, sideways in the corkscrew in, and I went, I've sat in that car. I had so much fun going through your website. And uh, listeners, again, you can find all these great links on Steve's show notes page on the Carshow website. Also, there'll be a link to this wonderful book, Inside Track. And again, one of the lucky subscribers is going to win a copy of the bookshop version. So make sure you go to carsyad.com, click on the free book button, and you too could be a winner. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible stories with the Carsyad listeners and with me. This has been so much fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much for for letting me be on your show and for also talking about Inside Track because it really is a a piece of automotive history that has been put together about a man that hasn't had all that much publicity if you consider things. And it tells such a wonderful story. It's like sitting with him in his living room, listening to him talk, you know, like the two of you, you're sitting there. So thank you very much for that too. You know, the pleasure was all mine. And again, I have a copy of this book and I cannot recommend it more. It's one of those legacy books you will put on your shelf. You'll go back to many times. And you'll keep it forever and hand it down to somebody else in your family who loves cars. So the pleasure's been all mine. Take care. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.